are. Here we are. Welcome to Movie Podcast Evangelion. I'm Dr. Movies. And I'm Rachel. And we're going to discuss the film Antichrist today, yes. tonight on this spooky season, Halloween. I know, aren't you scared? Uh, October edition October of Movie spooky, Podcast Evangelion. Fall, autumn. Rachel, evil. I've been watching a lot of spooky movies this season. And that's pretty unlike you. You're not, and, yeah, you're not, exactly. you're not a big fan of, of, of spooky movies in general. Um, I mean, you can like some of them, but I, I will say I've been very proud to see all of your spooky movie watching. Because horror is your forte. Uh, among uh, <laughs> That's one of the, the, the canons of knowledge you bring to yes. this podcast yes, that I am you. woefully ignorant in. Thank you so much. Uh, but I've been trying to catch up. Mm-hmm. I've watched uh, a Korean film... And we're not going to talk about that because mm-hmm. you didn't like A Tale of Two Sisters, which is which is a great movie. And so I mean, it's, it's I just sometimes it's tough talking about. I didn't say it with, wasn't with non-horror a fine people. movie. Uh, yeah. So and, and yeah, and you'll hear on our next Halloween October fall pod that uh-huh. we're discussing New French Extremity. So yes, I was watching those. And then what else did I watch? I watched. Um, uh, oh, I watched Old, which is not quite a horror movie, and Hellraiser, which I quite like and you dislike. Yeah, and I fucking hate. So the spectrum of our horror opinion is all wonky. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, but this movie is a horror movie. Yeah, I think so. We've decided. It's, it's described on its Wikipedia page as an art horror film, which, which is, is like, come on, dude. Okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that maybe the hesitancy to say like, oh, it's a horror movie is because it is elevate because it's 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 intellectual well it's it's mostly not concerned with being scary but it is concerned with being viscerally horrific yes upsetting nauseating and and sometimes i actually feel like when i think of the webster's dictionary defines horror as i know but sometimes i just feel like there's not that much horror in horror it's Mm -hmm. it's more suspense and or just being scared by loud noise yeah and so you want that feeling of dread. And I felt uh, yes. dread a lot during this. I felt I'm dread like, a lot during is, this. So to me, even though there's a lot of the movie that's not really interested in being horrific, mm-hmm. it's horrific when it needs to be. And therefore, uh-huh. You're calling horror it away. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. an art horror film. All right, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's, who gives a shit about genre really yeah. that much is what we're trying to say. I know. Come on, loosen up. Um, Lars von Trier. Yep. Who I have only seen Melancholia, film two of his Melancholy or like depression fucking depression tr- trilogy. Depression trilogy, <laughs> which depression is trilogy. which is actually more of a quadrilogy because Nymphomaniac has volumes one and two. Uh, um, get him. So I have not. Like, I haven't seen a lot of uh, Von Trude. I've seen this. I've seen Melancholia. I've seen Nymphomaniac one and two. House right. of Jack built. Right. Which. I mean that's we a decent amount, but yeah, I'm, I'm we're missing not, some of his like foundation. We're, yeah, we're whatever. not. We're, yeah, I have not seen Breaking the Waves. That's yeah. the one everyone says is supposed to be the one. Yeah, uh, Dancer in the Dark. I want to see those mm-hmm. movies. I intend to get to them. Yes, I even intend to get to all the fucking documentaries he's made about filmmaking, which some people say are his best work. Much like <laughs> some people say, Stephen King's on writing is his best writing. Well said. Anyways can't comment on either of those things because i don't know yeah but sure my whole point in saying this is that we're trying to just assess this film on its merits on its somewhat merits. in a vacuum yes here. somewhat I, although like you know i think that you were able to kind of call some things out about his style because you had seen melancholia before tableaus and, in particular yes. he likes to do tableaus yes. uh that are like sort of lovingly lit and and framed and then in other places he seems to not care at all how he frames 
the it, shot. Yeah, there was uh, a particular shot in here that I was thinking of just like, this is bizarre, where like, Willem Dafoe's laying on his back and Charlotte Gainsbourg is draped over him. And the only thing that you can see is like on the right third of the screen is like his forehead that's kind of illuminated and then like mm-hmm. her hair is kind of across oh i clocked that shot as well yeah because his face was so in darkness yes. and i was like is is how much of this is intentional how much of this is the sort of like we remarked on like the sort of 2014 digital look of yeah because it. it's like i think that there are digital cinema cameras who would maybe render this a little differently mm-hmm. now uh i'm certainly no expert on this aspect of filmmaking but you see a lot more, I guess, deliberate colors mm. now, like the blues and the yellows. Mm-hmm. Uh, color corrected in, like sort of the Netflix color yep. correction style, we're sort of all getting used to the sort of prestige TV color correction. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not film, because film has a look, that tends to stand out, yeah. I think. So yeah. when it's like you're seeing like a 2014 sort of desaturated digital look, you're kind of like, okay, well, is this is this bad or is this yeah. exactly what he wants? And I mean, d- did I'm you just, find it like yeah. distracting at all? Really? Like aside from like, you know, being aware of it, like do, I guess not distracting, but like, do you feel like it, that the film suffered because of it? No. I mean, I, I'm leaning I don't, towards I, no I, because I don't know what it, I'd feel it if it was very different. intentional. Right. And it feels like, okay, even if, the actual like equipment and therefore the result would be different. Like he would still be trying to do the same thing mm-hmm. regardless. I, Maybe. I don't know. Some of these, some of the shots in it are very rich and like yeah. look very nice. And he just, he switches to handheld. Sometimes he'll do these like sort of zoom in frames. Yeah. And, like, uh, sometimes, like the camera will, like swing around super fast. Yeah. In kind of a herky jerky way. But yeah. then other times he'll be like really, still and um, then there's just like the, the like maybe like two or three instances of just like an extremely slow push in yeah yeah and then we mentioned the tableau so listen i'm not saying this in a positive negative way like it's definitely very interesting yeah i think it's i think it's more effective for me in some moments than others okay um what did you think i mean i'm I was a huge fan of this movie going in um, as we were watching. I shared with Dr. Movies that I think this is probably like my first artsy film that I ever saw. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I saw like others, but this one like really stuck out to me. I think mm. it was probably like, you know, 17, 18, whatever, when I saw it. Um, and the last time I saw it, I was in my early 20s, if, if not just 20. And I, you know, I really loved it at the time, but I was like a little bit afraid as well of just like, oh, was I just being. Like a, like a gothy, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was I just art being, student? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but I'm happy to say that no. And my Antichrist tattoo has not, in fact, aged poorly. Hey. Uh, and also, not a lot of people have seen this movie, so I don't run the risk of people seeing it ident- and identifying me as a as a weirdo just from that. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I, I like I, I love Antichrist. Um. I think it's great. I don't really have any notes for it in terms of constructive criticism. Um, well. I don't. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, then let's just get into let's it brick into by it. brick here. Yeah. Um, prologue. Prologue. We we see full penny right mm-hmm. away. Yes, yeah, so it's just a five, five act film. And yep. the first act is full penny in black and white, mm-hmm. ultra slow motion, operatic score. Yes. 
With child death. With a child's death. And I want to add in here that uh, Von Trier does this in, I'm going to, it's been a while since I've seen either of these, but in either Nymphomaniac Volume 1 or Volume 2, he does the same child going out the window stuff. Like, and it's Mm. same score, slow motion. It's like, okay, so you're, you're, you're bookending your trilogy with a remake of your of your own scene which is i i don't have anything bad to say about that but i think it's interesting yeah i I, no i think that is interesting i i like the idea that he's actually trying to thematically link uh, a series of films instead of just sort of ad hoc saying saying like like, yeah this was a a trilogy of what i was thinking of at the time which is like also fine but yeah but it feels a little it's when it's intentional intentional, yeah yeah, that i'm interested absolutely so i mean i i guess I, i wonder from you you know seeing that for the like how did you feel after the prologue? Um, it's like such a very like sort of simplistic prologue in the sense mm. of like, okay, so they're having sex and their kid crawls up on a desk and falls out the window. Mm-hmm. Now we assume because it's von Trier, it's going to be a sort of study of grief. Yes. Because he does and, this sort of stuff. And also in this prologue, they have the three statues uh, that become the, 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 chapter names and also the names of the animals later on uh-huh. pain grief and despair and they show he shows those right away you see the text the kid pushes them off the desk and mm-hmm. so drawing more attention to them so i will say he's very <laughs> consistent about reinforcing this stuff no i think von Trier is like another director in some sense that we've talked about here uh he's like our friend Boz lerman in the friend. sense that they are both maximalists. Yeah, doing the most. In some sense. Mm-hmm. And it's especially clear in his prologue and epilogue. Just, just um, laying it on real thick. Like. Where you have literal opera as the score. Yes. So, And he has directed melodrama. And this is, to a certain extent, a melodrama. Mm. To a certain extent. To a or certain it becomes extent. one. Yeah. No, actually, I'm going to go further. I'm going to say okay. that it is, it is flatly a melodrama. A straight up melodrama. It should be added to the art horror designation. I would I would take... Melodramatic yeah, art horror. I would say take out art because what the fuck does that mean? Melodramatic horror. That would be how I would fucking categorize this. Oh, okay. All right. Get it getting spicy about the art label. That's, that's pissed you well, off somehow. Well, it's just not... It's just not... Like, okay, it's an empty okay, signal. Okay, at the same time, okay, I don't disagree with you fundamentally, but I wouldn't recommend this to, like, just a horror fan. Sure. Totally, totally. Like, like look, it's I'm like, not... Mm, it's got that other thing going on. <laughs> it's true. If someone was, like, if, like, one of my friends who, like, wasn't predisposed to, like, this movie because they're just, like, a horror movie fan asked, like, should I see that? I'd be like, ah. No, and then how would I explain it to him? I'd be like, that's kind of arty. Like, yeah, it's like, you want to sound like a fucking asshole. But it's like the signifier, that's what the signifier does is like to, pe- to certain people are like, oh, that means I don't like it. Yes. And I don't think like, I don't know, maybe I would encourage them to see it. I'd be like, yeah, watch it. Try it. Try it. Try and something. really, mm-hmm. and sit with it. Don't look at your phone. So, okay, although I agree that like, it's kind of meaningless to do that, at the same time, it does carry Listen. some some function. Yeah. But like, it's it, it it sounds a bit pretentious. To, you shouldn't to call women way. bitches. But sometimes a woman is called one. Antichrist <laughs> by Lars von Trier. Sometimes, I really like the passive statement of that. You should never call a woman a bitch, but sometimes a woman is called. Yeah. You can't say by No whom. active voice. No act, it just, a it police just shooting occurred. Occurred. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, we don't we don't know about all that. Um, so we get out of the get out of the prologue, which I think that 
we both enjoyed or it was just like interesting to kind of watch unfold Mm -hmm. um and then we've got like the funeral that they show briefly uh immediately defoe and gainsburg are deployed to ugly sob at their son's well except Willem Dafoe, because his character, also the, the character He, bega- he are, begins are with, he with grief. She. Yes. But, the, but yeah, he and she. And this movie is, wants to talk about archetypes. This it, movie wants to talk about a lot of things. Um, so that should give you an indication of the sort of like level of subtlety yes. we're operating on. Yes. Which is not, I would say, not necessarily a bad thing. So... I no, because it is melodrama. It is melodrama. It's which is do that. I would say melodrama is in many, if not most cases, moralism is essential to it. You know, I was telling not you, a scholar, just uh, the other week, I was watching Gone with the Wind, uh-huh. and that is to me very much a melodrama, well, and it's also moralizing. It's also about the death of a child. It's also about the death of a child, and about two people whose interests are quite gendered. Yes, and set in opposition so to each other. Antichrist is Gone with the Wind. It, it sort of is. It sort of is. Like <laughs> it's it, it is at the same sort. It is operating at the same emotional scale yes, as Gone with 100%. the Wind is not. You know, uh, in its even though it does want to do tableaus, not in its like full <laughs> tableau because I mean, yeah, Gone with the Wind is one of the most ambitious films ever made, still to this day. We love so, Gone with like the wind. you know, watch it if you haven't. I know, like, come on, come on, watch it come if on. you haven't. Um, anyways, anyways, Antichrist, Antichrist. So we get into the hospitalization, and this is where we really start seeing the gendered stuff kind of come out. Mm-hmm. So you know, she has been hospitalized due to her grief. He is fine. Uh, well, he's not fine. He's coping in his own way. Because he is a... He's a therapist. Therapist. And he insists that, but he, not a Freudian. that he knows better than her doctor who's medicating her. He's like, mm-hmm. we're not going to do that anymore. I'm going to treat you. Mm-hmm. And he immediately starts asserting his masculine dominance. Mm-hmm. He's very stoic as yeah. well. He's very in control. Like, And he holds that as a virtue. As 100% virtue. And then you contrast that with, with her, with Charlotte Gainsbourg, who is hysterical. Yeah. Who is who completely unhinged. Yeah. Uh, extremely emotional. Not violently at this point. At this point, yeah. But but not capable. Not of capable. Taking care of herself. No, not at all. Like it she it, it it's like she's having a psychotic break. Yeah, uh, like panic attacks and and self harm. Yes. All of it. All all of the things. And she's also extremely sex motivated. Probably should be on mood stabilizers. Probably should definitely be on but, mood stabilizers. Her husband throws has her throw them in the toilet. Yeah. He's, he's going like, to fix can, her himself with this. logic, masculine logic. Yes, with logic and reason. And reason. Yes. Two things men are known, are for, known for and two things valuing that, that and possessing. Are, are and the, terrible at. And that women don't have. Yeah. So thank you, Lars. You you, mm-hmm. you, you, you got it, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so we start, you know, going into this therapy and like... I, the things that he's doing, I don't disagree with, I suppose, but we both reach the conclusion of like, you should not. This is a conflict of interest. It is such a deep, but he insists that he can do it. He's like, it's fine. And she continues to call him arrogant. You know, you're arrogant. arrogant. You're you're such a, you're so self-important or whatever. And he very much is like, he is not trying, he is not portrayed as totally virtuous. There are multiple times where he can turn back from the route that he's taken in this Mm -hmm. therapy because he's, 
at first like quite insistent he's like that he's not going to have sex with her right uh he's like i can't do that whatever but, which is fucking stupid which you know i don't know yeah but yes it's like have sex with your wife whatever but she basically like forces herself on him mm-hmm. um this becomes a trend for the movie uh and in and i don't want to say like gi- he gives in but time and time again he does not remove himself from the situation right he is he's, he's, he's never he's the one who is more cognitively able at this point he is never initiating sex he's never in initiating he's very passive yeah Yes, um, and is is trying to, to shut that part down. But they start going into this therapy, and he's like, tell me about your fears, whatever. Like, okay, well, like, maybe you can't tell me the things that you're afraid of, because you can tell me the, the what, what place might, might you be afraid of. And she's like, oh, she names the woods. They kind of go into discussion about that. She reveals that there is this uh, cabin that they have that is called Eden. That's mm. crazy. Man and woman in Eden? That's wild. Um, and <laughs> Willem Dafoe literally writes Eden, parentheses, garden, on this triangle of fear. And they're trying to identify what that what that top thing mm. is. And so he decides, like, let's let's go to Eden. Great. We're going to confront your fear right on. Like, he's all about, like, exposure therapy. Now I want to stop down at this point yes. and say that the scene the dialogue in the scenes between them is quite good in my opinion uh does just enough in almost every place it's not over expositional it's very it's not throwing out a bunch of junk either right um yeah good 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 way to put that and it is carried ably by willem dafoe and uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg. They're they're excellent. Who anchor this film and and the film would not work without both of their performances. A hundred percent. Completely. 100%. And so. And also, these are very challenging things that they're doing. Yes, very challenging things. Uh, extreme grief. Mm-hmm. You know, I um, mean, like every fucking scene is a Meisner exercise. Uh-huh. Like it is. <laughs> it is just locked in shit, mm-hmm. and we so we sort of talk about like well. Charlotte Gainsbourg can't really do comedy, we assume, but why would she want to? Because this is clearly what she's interested in doing. She's kind of like... This is her thing. And she is like... I mean, we're going to use the fucking signifier again, mm-hmm. but like, she's an artsy actress. Like, yeah, she's 100%. in pretty much exclusively art films. Yeah. Despite the fact that she has like a sort of career in pop music. Yes. In France. And yes. comes from a sort of pop musician. Yes. So... And, and but now she's movie just like, star I'm just going to do this like fucked up... Yeah. But I'm just going to be kind of the art girl. Um, I'm going to show my ass and my vulva and my breasts. I'm going to masturbate on camera. I'm going to sob. I'm going to scream. I'm going to do. And like, if you've ever seen a Charlotte Gainsbourg movie, like she's generally doing that sort of thing in all of them. And she's, she's delivering. And she's delivering a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. You're never like, I don't believe you. I'm never you like, believe I believe her yep. every second of the way in yep. everything she does. Uh, Charlotte, um, go on. So off. this is in that in that sense an act. It is an actor's movie. Although uh, as the movie kind of progresses and we'll get into it, it it gets more. And I think that something that you brought up was like like what attracted them to this material, mm-hmm. and and like, is it just a case of like, and not saying just a case, but like where you trust the director, you trust the creator enough to know that this is going to be interesting and not like weird. I guess it is weird, but not in a bad way, but like exploitative shock, like schlock, like not mm. interesting right. in some way. 
And where you come out looking like assholes who showed their ass on camera. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to feel humiliated, right? Yeah. I I think what helps is we have an actor in Willem Dafoe who is rock solid established. Mm -hmm. His reputation is sort of like he's reached the point in terms of like how everyone sees him within the industry and Mm -hmm. at large as a serious actor. Mm -hmm. He can afford to do this. Yeah. You know, and he's not, he doesn't have any celebrity to tarnish either in the sort of like... You know, he's not, he's not, he's not on In Touch. Yeah. He's not on OK yeah. Magazine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he can afford to do this. And Gainsbourg can because A, she's, has her reputation in this world. Mm-hmm. And B, she comes from the most insane shit in terms of fame and behavior yeah. publicly so like, imaginable. Whatever. Nothing she could do would be weird. No. For Charlotte Gainsbourg. No. Like she, she sang an incest song with her father. Like, and it was a hit. <laughs> it's do like, you, know you know what, what I whatever. mean? Whatever. Yep. Like, that's where she starts That's from. where she starts so, from. Like, so, like, you're not going to rattle her. No, you know? no, you, you can't. You know, although it is funny to, like, you know, look back and be like, oh, like, I saw, well, I guess you didn't technically see, but, you know, I, I saw Willem Dafoe's penis, mm-hmm. and I also really love when he plays uh, the Green Goblin in Marvel's yes. <laughs> Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Yay! Like, and I like when he appears in the, the, <laughs> the universes of Wes Anderson and his whimsical, you know, like, up. he's the real fucking deal because he, yeah. here's the other thing. These are both actors who I think are smart enough to know that like their performance has to serve this yep. script. Yep. Do you know yep. what I mean? Yep. Like you have to serve the genre you're in, and William Defoe can always do that because yep. he understands that's part of his job. He's an artist. He's a fucking artist. He's a fucking that's artist. been MPE actor rant. Um, <laughs> so we've we've kind of reached the point where where things are starting to ramp up a little bit because they're mm-hmm. heading into Eden, um, mm-hmm. and as they go in. Willem Dafoe puts her through like this thought exercise where she's like going through all of the the, the trip to get to the cabin. The, and the dialogue is framed quite cleverly, I think, in yes. many places by these exercises. You know, yes. the, every every scene has a game, like every scene has a clear objective. I mm-hmm. think a lot of um, screenwriters don't think in those terms anymore. Mm. Uh, they think about delivering exposition, I think, and yeah. How to most effectively or, just put the information there. Yeah. Without like engaging your audience in a way. Right. They're well-written scenes. They're tight. They're, they, they, these are some tight They're screenwriting. Tight. They have games that move the... Okay. Yeah, it's it's games not only between the characters, but also the audience mm-hmm. where I don't think that like the movie is ever trying to like like really trick or lie to you, but it doesn't spell things out 100%. Right. And you you have all the information in the same order the characters have it like and they're also, not you have as much information right. as the character like there's not something that like oh they know something that i don't or i know something that they don't like it's it like we're we're right. in the same spot as them which, which is also you know not to sound like an asshole but like also sometimes reflected in the actual camera work and framing where like yes. where when they're having like a face-to-face very intimate conversation it's also a very close shot of their faces as if like we are equidistant from what's going on right so it's 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 he's he's doing games which are which is good we like games everything is intentional yes like he, he's he's a real director like, everything's he's doing intentional, his job. even the things that made you at least kind of go i don't know about that well you know and then there are some funny choices where like we've talked about like uh, we get these tableaus where 
like a, a stillborn deer is like coming out of of the dough of the dough and and uh willem dafoe sees it and he's like ah and you're like oh that's a really affecting image and then another yeah. tableau we get is uh they've made up again after fighting mm-hmm. and a small baby bird falls out of a nest and is dying on the ground and ants are crawling over it's it covered in ants. but then all of a sudden Caw! A hawk comes out and just like rips it. And then like the tear gets flesh off. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, well that was like, is that supposed to be funny? Like that was a little too much, (laughs) you know, but it was really like the hawk scream that kind of put it over the edge. But it is also melodramatic. Like, okay. Like that's why, you know, and then we have another part where uh, he stumbles upon a fox devouring another fox. And... It's actually the, the fox is actually devouring its own entrails. Oh, okay. Yeah, the fox is actually de- <laughs> devouring its own entrails, and then it looks up the CGI fox at mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe and says, "Chaos reigns." In like the most spooky, still voice possible, and then it just cuts back to Willem Dafoe's face, like, "Oh." So, why would we see these scenes? Well, because the movie is establishing a theme, which is that chaos reigns. You may have. Uh, uh, seen this theme in places like Cormac McCarthy novels and Coen Brothers movies. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Lars von Trier believes it too. Chaos mm-hmm. is the only true law uh, and guiding principle of the universe and our existences are inherently meaningless mm-hmm. and we are put on this earth to suffer in kind. Uh, really cheery stuff. Really cheery stuff. And, however, the movie's spin on this is, mm-hmm. is this dread gendered? Is this dread gendered? But also I want to throw in a very important phrase that I think plays into the chaos reigns. Mm -hmm. Nature is Satan's church. Nature is Satan's church. And perhaps the only people who can be bishops of Satan's church, unlike Earth's church, are women. Are women, except women are... Are, are bad. So we'll, we'll get into the, this, That's what I'm saying. They're the, the bishops of Satan's uh, of church. Sa- of sa- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of, sure, sure. Um, so I think that like at this point we're we're at Eden starting to do exercises. Mm. Uh, he gets all the ticks on his hand. There's like uh, yeah, gross. the acorns that are falling and later A lot on, of visual and audio motifs are being set ooh, up. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They just, just, just putting them on there. And so they're having kind of various levels of success with this therapy. At mm-hmm. one point like they seems have, to work. It has. It seems to work, and she's like, "I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine." And this is like after the night where she like attacked him mm-hmm. he was with the wine glass, whatever. And he's not convinced. No, and she's like, like, "Why mm-hmm. can't you just be fucking happy for me?" And, and at this point, you're like, "Oh no." Like, and at the same time, I think we're getting back into some gender stuff because it's yes. like, all right, like she, like he is convinced that she is hysterical and that he must fix her. He isolates her from stuff so that he can be the rock right. that she's depending on. Um, and I think that like it, it, it's all and in terms of how she responds to it. It's like, I'll just pretend and get over it and then I can go back to my regular life. But, and he's not, unfortunately he's not incorrect, but like, she's not ready for that. Right. But he is still like, as her therapist, not doing a great job. Well, yeah, exactly. As we said, conflict of interest, he should know that it is not like he cannot provide psychiatric care to yes. his own wife, and he especially can. because he is also suffering from intense grief. So like the circumstances yes. of the movie, why you would sort of become insane under these circumstances are, are pretty well set up. And yeah. it starts small enough that you see these conflicts that they're having and they're, they're grounded enough in reality that you think, I think, or I thought if you've ever fucking, you know, been in a relationship, a heterosexual mm-hmm. male-female cis relationship, mm-hmm. 
there are things that ring true in mm-hmm. this dialogue and these fights, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, women fucking sometimes do act like that. And sometimes men are always fucking wife. doing this, you yeah. know? And like, sometimes you have a bitch wife and sometimes you have a husband who is cold and unemotional yep. and, and withdrawn and, and withdrawn whatever. and doesn't, and thinks only he, scientifically, rationally, yeah. whatever. And, and essentially wants to control you. And she yes. says like, women don't control their own bodies. They're mm-hmm. controlled by nature. Satan's church. Remember. And I, I think that Willem Dafoe hears that and he's just like, well, actually like I can do it. Actually, I can do. I mean, it's the hubris of man to think he can control nature. There's another example of this where, like, she's talking about. There's another uh, instance where the acorns are falling, and she Mm -hmm. has a little speech about like, uh, like. Only uh, oak trees only need one tree every a hundred years, and all of these acorns like will die. Like they're not they're not going to actually be planted. She's like, and I could hear the the cries of all the things that would then die, and he's like. Okay, well, you know just as well as I that acorns don't scream, acorns don't cry. It's like okay, but she just spit, like she just, she just spit, spit mad fire, like she, she showed up fire. to the poetry slam and yeah. she was the best of the night. Everyone knew it. Like that was a real. It was a re- it was that good. was a banger. It was like, a banger. What you just and he's said. like, mm, that's not and he's just like, rational. That's, that sounds like feelings. That sounds that like, sounds like feminine irrationality. And, and we, she's like, okay, motherfucker. okay, whatever, and. We do get a lot of feminine irrationality. There's yes. uh, there's astrology going yeah, on. Yeah, there's some al- allusions um, to astrology. And so the things and at Eden really start to fall apart when he when he first there's like a couple of instances where it's like he looks at the autopsy and he's like, okay, there are deformities in the feet, and he's looking at these pictures. Oh yeah, of I their, forgot of about his this. Kid, and he notices that like all of the shoes are are backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, she's put them on backwards every time he goes to confront her about or well, at least this one day at least this one there's multiple pictures of him uh-huh. with the backwards shoes on and the other thing is that he goes into the attic at some point and finds like all of her like visual assets for her research and then her actual her her gynocide gynocide i don't know how to say that i would say gynocide Gy- she's making like a gynocide a gynocide zine, zine for her like academic like, like anthropological research like her writing gets messier and crazier she's she, going like, she's, insane she's going her diaries insane. reveal she's kind of going insane with yeah grief. she's kind of and he as he's realizing he's reading it he's like oh my god like you think that women are evil like there were so many women who were killed in like the 1600s or whatever he was mm-hmm. saying and he's like, that's because of like systemic violence against women. But you've taken it to mean that he's like, mansplaining he's her mansplaining. thesis to her. Well, she, but he's he's concerned because she's mm-hmm. like, she's not saying the thing that she should be saying about women, right? Because he's like, all right, but you took all of those women being killed as proof right. that they were evil and that you are evil, and that you know he goes on. He's like, there's no place for good and evil in 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 psychology. Like, yeah. that's not relevant. And like, he's angry about. The feminist stuff, but he's also angry about. Or she's like, he's like, you're you're being crazy. You're being well. He's he's essentially saying she's being anti-feminist. Yeah, he's like you're um, being a, because a huge she misogynist. is. She's yeah. just like I've decided that women are evil and that I will embody that evil. Yes. Yeah. And she she goes for it. Yeah. So they have a confrontation later. You know, he's he's looking at the pictures and kind of putting it together, and then she like bursts into the shed, mm-hmm. whacks him over the head, and she starts like trying essentially trying to rape him Mm -hmm. um because that's what's going on here like there's a lot of spousal marital rape happening and Mm -hmm. it's from her to him yeah um and she's like you know kind of you know writhing around whatever and she's like women are all lies like like oh no she says uh the tears of women or like the like the 
the mourning wails of woman is like a deceitful woman. Yeah, so something to that effect like goes on and you're like, oh my God, like really she's kind of gone off the rails and you see her like kind of like just like embrace, just just like, I'm just going to be evil. Like that's just kind of what's happening there. Like, and this is part of, I don't know, like her therapy, her mourning process. Well, also you're missing one key distinction. She Mm. says, uh, you're going to leave me. You're going to yeah, leave she's me like, constantly. You're, you're trying to leave me. Yeah. She, yes. and, and she says, she gets on top of him and she's having sex with him once again. And she says, hit me, like hit me so it hurts. Yeah. And he's like, I won't do it. And she's like, then you then you don't love me. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he says, says, then maybe I don't love you. Yeah. And she runs into the woods into the and this be, begins her violent streak against him. Yes. Uh, where she essentially. He, he does come into the forest eventually while she's masturbating. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She goes into the forest to masturbate because he won't have sex with her anymore. And then he comes to her. Yes. And has sex with her against and... the tree. Hits her and hits her, and the and the the four the Garden of Eden's tree writhes. All with of the hands female come hands. out. Yeah, all of the, the evil female hands. It's a good tableau. So she's like fully embraced her insanity at this point. She's mm-hmm. like, "You're going to leave me." She clearly has this need for sexual control mm-hmm. um, and he's like kind of pushing her. He's well, like, or sexual relief. Like she seems sexual- to need him to penetrate her to relieve her grief. Yes, but then we got the stuff at the kind of... So I don't disagree with you, yes, but the stuff that happens later on makes me feel like well, then yeah she wants to possess him completely she wants to possess, but she also and prevent wants to, him like, from leaving and he does sever want to leave. herself from her own pleasure later on and completely yes. divorce herself from that but so she gets mad at some point she like smashes his whole groin with this block log, of wood yeah uh and then he still has an erection and so she like masturbates him mm-hmm. and he ejaculates blood right and it is not erotic at all. Just like it's like, disgusting. The way that it's framed. It is, is just like, hard to watch. Oh, yeah, it's sickening. It is. It's it's tough, folks. <laughs> this is the type of sick shit you're into. Look no further. Look no further, because you'll see it in here. Um, and then she like puts a grindstone through his leg mm-hmm. because she doesn't she want drills him running away. His, uh, th- yeah, with she, like a manual drill. She manual drills through his leg and then attaches him through the leg to a grindstone and it's fucking gnarly and she throws away the the wrench so he can't get out he wakes yeah. up he goes to flee he ends up in the foxhole that they it's a kind of a landmark on the way to mm-hmm. eden she realizes that he's gone and then she starts screaming hysterically mm-hmm. you bastard how dare you leave me yeah and on and on with that as he's trying to hide himself so she's screaming and then we have an incident in the foxhole Right, so there's a bird in the foxhole. It seems dead at first. It seems dead at first, and he's like, "Oh shit, there's a bird in here." And he's then... also kind of a naturally curious guy. Like, yeah, he, he like, is. He like just like reaches out to touch things. Sometimes you're like, yeah. "Don't do that." He's a very na- yeah. It's a, it's a feature of it's him. Very tactile his character. Yeah, and he's lighting a match, and he sees there's a bird in here. He's like, "Fuck!" The bird's like, "Quack quack quack!" And he's trying to beat the bird to death so it won't alert his wife to his hiding spot. Yes, but he can't do it in time, mm-hmm. and she finds him. Mm-hmm. And he crawls in away from her, so she digs into the hole and, and at first she's beats just, his she's face just in going with a shovel. Crazy. Yeah. She's just like she's doing anything to hurt him to get to him. She's mm-hmm. get out, get out, get out. And then this is when we hit uh, chapter three. It does a cut here, and we get her like in the nighttime, standing on top of where she's like dug him out slash into the foxhole. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm so sorry, and just like has a total meltdown about it. And and I had said the minute she had put the grindstone through his leg and he mm. wakes up to see a grindstone on him, he should not have tried to run. No. At this point, your best bet is to 
tell your wife to try to, to just, tell your wife whatever she needs whatever to hear. she needs to hear because like he had to know that like leaving and getting caught by her mm-hmm. is like way worse than her just coming back to him. like right. I, I mean come but on. I, I think this is another way the movie sort of criticizes I think Willem Dafoe's character he in, goes in the sense of that yeah he he leaves her because mm-hmm. uh, which he is something does that she had already to. accused him of in the past she was like when we were I was up here last summer like you never you never visited like you were very withdrawn like you left me completely alone mm-hmm. and so like that's where a lot of it is stemming from and interestingly she also kind of pins that on her dead son where she's like well Nick and that he's the only named character is their son Nick wasn't really around either like he would go want like, this kid's like two years old mm-hmm. and he would wander around and he didn't give me enough att- attention either and, and so, maybe that's like, why she put the shoes on backwards so I, he'd they, stay closer there, there's there's a something there's a something going on there or right. it's like i'm going to punish well, like there's a something here's here let me just bring some fucking freud and lacan in yeah here. get it all get right and it. listen i'm not well read in either of those people but we know that some of the outlines. Yeah. And one of the outlines is, and Lars von Trier makes his Freudian points very clear yes. in the movie because he says like, oh, Freud is dead, mm-hmm. right? He has the male character say that. Freud. But so much is happening mm-hmm. in this movie that is Freudian. And one of the things is a woman's desire can inherently never be satiated. Mm-hmm. This is like a principle, I think, in some sense of psychoanalysis mm-hmm. uh it that is like a gendered trait mm-hmm. uh in the same way that men also have sort of gender desires that and that those gendered desires are a result of patriarchy or whatever yeah it's like how, however gender is constructed mm-hmm. in culture those innate desires are mm-hmm. instilled Yes. Yeah. I think like there's very much like the like women cannot be like sexually satisfied. Right. I think it's less about like being like ravenously sexual and more about the satisfaction part of it. Well, and and sex is only a part of it. Yes. Sex is only an extension of that lack of ability to be like the, the hole that cannot be filled. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The uh, the essential absence, the penis envy, mm-hmm. um, which she has for yes. him. Yeah. Um, when he is knocked unconscious, like that's when like she takes control of his penis and it right. becomes like her, like she's not having an orgasm. But the way that she is reacting to it is like as if it is her own like it's taking that kind of literal mm-hmm. form and like just we're gonna skip ahead a little bit and get to the thing that i was mentioning earlier but like uh, towards the end of the movie like she uh like masturbates and then in a very close-up shot cuts yeah. her clit off straight you see everything you see she female genitally mutilates he, herself on camera there know, is no detail yeah. spared no there's no details spared. like really uh, goes it's disgusting it, yeah it, it, and it's sickening tough to watch, and horrible like, okay so like if that if like the clitoris is like the the central area of female pleasure like she is severing herself from it permanently Mm -hmm. and it's almost like a a dismissal of it and like only after that like after that moment her character is so sedate she wanders around a little bit like uh, towards the end like she has like a like there's like a fight and then she's she's very very passive and so it's like it really took her female castrating herself mm-hmm. in order to get whatever that closure or peace was. Right. So he he finds the 
so she's like, all right, uh, she's cut off her clit and she's like, hey, uh, oh, actually before she cuts herself, she's like, all right, uh, when the three beggars arrive, then someone has to die, implying that like Willem Dafoe is the one that will be killed. Mm-hmm. The three beggars are astrological, but they're also in the form of the deer, the fox, and the crow. Mm. Uh, so we have both the female astrology and the male spiritual Jungian animals <laughs> actually appearing. That will appear. Yeah. So like they're so they're there, and like Willem Dafoe like the de- sees tr- this vimi- this woman is the dragon of chaos. <laughs> Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. And when the woman is the chaos I think that I think that if Jordan Peterson saw this movie, he would cry and throw up. I think that this is Jordan Peterson's favorite film. <laughs> uh, and I don't, I only sort of mean that uh, derivatively uh, to either of them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So let's just finish it out. Let's finish so, it out. So the, the pain grief and despair all mm-hmm. appear and mm-hmm. that's the three beggars and that's all that stuff is happening mm-hmm. he and, and the reason that he's able to escape is that he hears the crow again underneath the floorboard uh-huh. the one that he thought that he had or been trying to kill that whole time uh-huh. he busts in there and oh my god the fucking wrench is down there too mm-hmm. he unscrews himself pulls the thing out of his leg which yeah. is like pretty gnarly pretty great yeah. um then she starts attacking him with the clit scissors mm-hmm. um and then it is we we are treated to probably like i don't know like maybe like the most horrific man strangling a woman sequence it's awful it's it, awful it is it uh, is so it's very out. visceral yeah. and long and it it's gross yeah um, i mean it, it's but it's good it's there like, are actually yeah. a couple there are actually quite a few of those in cinema uh cinema older cinema used to do a lot more strangulation scenes i feel like this just felt um and know, some of them meteor. are quite awful, but yes. this is this is quite awful. You know, her eyes like bulge her blood he, and stuff. There's like the crunch of it her looks very real. Getting, yeah, yeah, whatever. And it's so disgusting. It is, uh, and also you know, a, a fact about uh, domestic violence is that, uh, you know, at least like in like a heterosexual. Oh pair, yeah, women are like, strangled all the time. And also like that is the that is the precursor of like if a man strangles a woman like he is very close to being to killing her mm-hmm. and for that to just like immediately lead into it's like that's like it i think like that is at least like to me like kind of touching on another gendered thing yes going on yes um, absolutely and so that happens he escapes you know she's she's dead and he is uh it, then we go into the epilogue which is also in black and white mm-hmm. it also is operatic it's not slow-mo but there's other weird things yeah, going it is on. a little yeah, okay it's a little slow-mo uh, well, what happens is Willem Dafoe is walking with a crutch and it's yeah. opera, yeah, slow-mo, uh, black and white, down the hill. He sees the three beggars or like a mm-hmm. vision of them. He sees the three beggars again. They sort of wish him well on his path, mm-hmm. even though they said chaos reigns earlier. <laughs> uh, well. And then as he's walking down the mountain, he sees a, many, many people climbing up the mountain and not just any people uh, uh people with their faces blurred out and not just any people with their faces blurred out but they're all women oh are they i didn't even notice that. yeah all right well that's my bad no 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 uh, i mean i think it's good we're getting into it because like oh my god layering on more stuff there it's like right. and you know there's discussion earlier by charlotte gainsburg who like clearly believes that like witchcraft is real mm-hmm. she talks about a couple of you know sisters who were killed for witchcraft it's like they could summon a hailstorm and there is a hailstorm that later happens mm-hmm. and then a lot of the women who were climbing up the mountain are kind of like in 
old timey ish clothing. And so it's like, oh, so are they the the witches that were killed? Mm-hmm. Like what? Like is this? Re- I have to assume that it's real because the movie has treated everything, all the other weird things as real. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least like material enough to the characters. Absolutely. So I have to assume that like it's not a cop out. Oh, he's just going crazy. But like that. Well, I think it's, it's maybe really something happening. that's happening, but it's like juiced for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. We should. Yeah, we should also. The women are faceless. Yes. These are faceless all of women. All their faces are blurred out. Yeah. There we are. That was Antichrist. Um, so let's talk now about where we stand on where we think the movie stands on its themes. Yes. Um, actually the, the first thing that I'd like to talk about is the misogyny. Um, well, yeah, it's, yeah. The first thing I like to talk about is the misogyny. Um, because a lot of people find this movie to be incredibly misogynistic. And like, mm-hmm. this is like, uh, like an ethically bad thing to watch because it is so misogynistic. Like it's yes. hashtag problematic and also violent. Mm-hmm. Um, Towards women. Towards women. Um, I would say, yes, it's misogynistic, but I don't think that that's necessarily bad because it's doing art. And also, and I don't, this this isn't going to hold much water, but like, hear me out on this. I don't think that it's necessarily dangerous because the people who are watching like this sort of stuff, like are probably also like not people that are probably prone to like buying into an ideology like that. Oh, it is. (laughs) It's not harmful, whatever it is. It's not harmful. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because art isn't that powerful. Sorry, y'all. But yeah. um, what I will say is, I think it is an expression, at least, of gendered anxiety mm. from a male perspective. Mm. I think it is self-consciously that. I doubt that Von Trier himself would say that he has made a misogynist movie. I don't think that he would believe that even for a second. Um, I think it is one. I, I think, think it, it is, is a misogynist one, movie. But I'm also I'm like, okay, but like you got some points about like human nature. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah. I think if it doesn't have points about human nature, it might have points. Uh, for instance, I, I think we could compare it to a movie like Gone Girl. Okay. Which I think is also another quintessential expression of gendered anxiety. Mm-hmm. Or another Fincher movie, Fight Club, which is an expression of gendered anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, Gone Girl has been accused of being misandrist. Mm-hmm. Fight Club has been accused of being misogynist. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's fucking a million movies that have been accused of being... Especially being misogynist. misogynist. Um, the question becomes... Do we think it tells us something about our gendered anxiety, I guess, you know, and our gendered prejudice? And there are plenty of movies that are, I think are actually misogynist that don't do that. Mm. And in fact, most of them don't. But I think that this one does. Well, I think that what, 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 stands at, what di- makes this different from like a movie in which you would see like casual misogyny mm-hmm. where it's just like presented unquestioningly and just like kind of like fact of the matter or like it is a backdrop whatever like this has like the misogyny up front and center and I don't think is I I honestly don't believe that this movie is meant to make you come away being like oh yeah women are evil and they're bad like I don't think that that is that is the message I don't think so but I also think that it was made to piss women off 
I don't feel pissed off. I know that you don't, but I think that Lars von Trier, Trier would be delighted to know that he pissed a bunch of people off. Like, I think he seeks revulsion. I think that's uh, probably true. In that sense. Like, he is a prov- provocateur. Like, I'm Allegedly, sure Allegedly, d- people at Khan like, fainted and, like, right. walked out and, like, threw up or something. I, I think that sort of thing delights him. Sure. Whether or not it's even true. Because sometimes I wonder about reports from these yeah, festivals. Yeah. But... Well, we all know that the applause meter doesn't matter yeah. because Don't Worry Darling got a standing ovation at Venice. So. Um, but does the boo meter matter? I think like Paul Schrader was <laughs> posting oh, yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, he's like, like, where did the boos go at film festivals? You know, like it used to be like, if you couldn't get cheers, you could at least get boos and then yeah. you were something. And I think that Von Trier is from that school, a he filmmaker who, if he's not going to get cheers, he wants boos. Mm-hmm. And this is certainly designed to get them. Mm. Um, I think I just like I, I think it's a sort of like honest and revealing enough because it is melodrama expression of something that I think it's absolutely worth watching you know in the same way that a much worse movie like The Room yeah is worth watching because like it is a portrait of like an insane narcissist so, like I <laughs> yeah. think that it like that is almost sort of lovingly rendered but this is like a portrait of like an insane depressed person. Right. And I also, I was reading something uh, actually a couple of days ago uh, where someone actually suggested that uh, von, for Von Trier, like the self-insert character here is not Willem Dafoe, but rather Charlotte Gainsbourg because he, I think it's about like how it's aligned with the grief stuff. And all three of his, of the movies of this are, centered around women as the main characters. They're all dealing with like incredible levels of mental illness, which there are all Charlotte Gainsbourg, right? Uh, no, I mean, well, I mean, Charlotte, yes, I guess Charlotte Gainsbourg isn't the main sufferer of melancholia, but right. she's also suffering in that. But so. she's a nymphomaniac as well. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. she's, she's, she's the main. So she is another one of the threads that ties those three movies. Yes. A hundred percent. But like he, you know, has, you know, talked a lot about like his struggles with mental health and depression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think he had like suffered like a loss and there was like a grief thing going on. So it's like, you know, I think that there is merit to say, you know, I, I, I don't, I haven't done a close enough reading of the film to say whether that's definitively how I feel, but I think it's worth at least thinking about it that right. way. Right, well, yeah. How misogynist are the rest of his movies? Like, I I don't know. I haven't <sighs> seen enough of them. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're talking about this movie in I a vacuum. I don't think that Melancholia is misogynist. Um, I, think I don't it, think it is either. I think it expresses some bad things about women, but they're, like, as individuals, not as, like, women themselves yeah if anything it prints with a broader brush for the men for the men yeah and um, and, and with like nymphomaniac i don't know i feel like nymphomaniac volume one is not mis- it's problematic but it's not misogynist nymphomaniac volume two is is it's questionable Uh, where it's like, I feel defensive of saying like, oh, Antichrist, it's like, it's good and worthwhile in that way. Nymphomaniac Volume 2, I'm not, I'm not so certain. Sure. Well, you are, you are loath to hand out the misogynist label. I, I, I am because it feels like, and I, I even hate saying this because I know how it sounds, but it's like, it feels like silencing because it's like once you (laughs) slap something with a label, like like that which right. is which is very serious that it's like okay now we can't engage with this thing anymore right i mean i am loath to be offended i would say but i think i'm more comfortable uh labeling something as misogynistic sure i mean um, yeah i mean even if i found something or more quick to. like that being said like it, it won't necessarily keep me from watching it Sure. If it's something like that has in my opinion has like value like antichrist right which like even 
I think is misogynist, but I don't think that it's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel Listen, a bunch of ways about it. I, like I have movie. like, I, I have been keeping a sort of informal list of the movies I see that I call, uh, like fascinating reactionary cinema. Uh-huh. Uh, like, you know, Rambo's on that list. Oh yeah. First um, Blood's so good. Yeah. First Blood, uh, like Pretty Woman is on that list. Like movies I find uh-huh. where I feel like there may be politics or social, uh, positioning is bad uh-huh. uh, or problematic uh as people say or whatever honestly we all have heard all the words we can just throw forrest gump on that fucking list yeah sure uh, absolutely and but quite often a very lovingly rendered or crafted movie that is reactionary tells you more about the reactionary mind than any satire can. Mm. In fact, almost always it does. Mm. So that's why I think it's important to watch things like this sometimes, because Mm. sometimes I think you'll find, or, or, you know, carefully select what reactionary movies you're going to view. But I would say that you should view this one. Yeah. I'm not even necessarily sold on how reactionary it is. Um, Yes. I mean, I think, it's, I, I think that it's meaningful for you of all people to say like, yeah, you should view this knowing the kind of stuff that's in it. Because for me to say that when I'm like into the weird stuff that I'm in, like, it's like, okay, like whatever, like I, I can't be trusted. What I'm saying everyone is when Dr. Movies says that you should watch this, you should take it far more seriously than me saying it because I love the genre. I and see what you're saying. And, yeah. and well, he does not. You. Well, yes, so. you, you do. You are more forgiving of the genre and I am like not as predisposed to yes. like horror. Yes. Um, that being said, yeah, I think this movie is worthwhile. It's like well acted. Will you watch Nymphomaniac? Well shot. It's so long. Well, it's two But parts. yeah, I'll watch it because I now at this point I feel like I need to finish yeah. the, the trilogy. But I may wait years. Like I'm probably sure. prioritizing breaking the waves and dancer in the dark uh-huh. more than I'm prioritizing nymphomaniac, but yeah, I'll probably get to it. Okay. That's fair. I'm not done with Lars von Trier. Like I'm, not I'm interested. But, uh, how, uh, I'd like you to actually tell the, the, the bit or say the line that was it like your teacher or someone about Lars von Trier. Oh yeah. I had a uh, professor uh, back in college who said uh, like he sort of adamantly believed that we, we do need Lars von Trier, but no one else should aspire to be Lars von Trier. Like, we only need one of them. Yeah, maximum uh, one We von don't Trier. need more von Triers. He, he pretty well covered his lane. Yeah. Because um, I think that, like, his films are, they're very bleak and pessimistic. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that, and, and, and they're very revealing about himself. And I, and I, I, I yeah, for as much as I love von Trier, like, I don't want... I want someone else to be trying to do this. Right. And let me just throw out this as a little spice. Okay. I think that everything that this movie is basically doing in terms of... I'm so scared about what you're about to say. He has a look on his face. I I think that this movie, a lot of what it does well, there's a little movie called Crash (sighs) that does it real good and you should watch uh, crash. i know i know i should watch crash I've everyone been... should watch david cronenberg's crash this has been crash recommendation part of the pod 17 movies correct so they've got something else in common yeah full penny yeah uh watch crash it slaps i've been hearing that i really should watch it it does seem like something i would like yeah and that's a movie that won't make you feel icky about gender 
Okay. Like that, I would say. That's that, kind of surprising. Here's, to hear. here's, here's, this is how we'll end the pod. If you want to watch a movie that's as sort of gross and dreadful as Antichrist, mm. but you are worried that Antichrist is misogynist, it may be. Check out <laughs> Crash by David Cronenberg because you can get all that same stuff without the misogyny, without the hatred of women. All but right. check out Antichrist because we might be wrong. Maybe it's uh, we, we don't know. We okay. don't know where we how we feel. You know, I actually I like that. I like giving an alternate wreck of like, all right, if you're not if you're not wanting this, right. try this. Okay. And again, uh, and then two things we mentioned before. If you want to watch some movies about gendered anxiety, check out Gone Girl and Fight Club. Yeah. Um, nice. This has been Movie Podcast Evangelion. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about the genital mutilation movie. Uh, yeah. Careful out there in the discourse and have a wonderful fall. Look for our Get spooky. new French expr- extremity prod dropping soon. Bye. <laughs>